0: listening to Law and Gospel on this, what, January the 17th in the year of our Lord 2018. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and I am all by myself on this, well, normally it's an Insight Wednesday where we would examine some kind of important item that you might not be aware of when you read the Scripture But today, we're not going to be doing that because of the holiday. What holiday? Well, Monday's holiday. We weren't on the air. So yesterday, we did, of course, the item in regard to the hymn for the day. And now, we're taking a look at one of the readings. And the reading that really struck me, found it very interesting, 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 31. Here's what Paul says. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. What does that mean? Now, some people may interpret it to mean, well, because Judgment Day is around the corner, if if you're married, you should live as though you don't have a wife, and therefore you can go out with other women. Well, obviously, that is not what the Apostle Paul is talking about, because the Christian has a life of obedience to the will of God, and in marriage, it is very important not to to go with other individuals instead of your spouse. So he can't mean that. How do we understand a passage like this? It's impossible to understand passages from the Bible that are somewhat confusing unless you use the Reformation principle, Scripture interprets scripture so what do we got to look at we we actually got to look at other parts of the same reading so so let me go ahead and show you uh, how the other parts will help us to explain that those who have wives live as though they had none verse 30 continues and those who mourn as though they were not mourning and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. Wow. What well, what is the Apostle Paul speaking about here? What he's saying, let's take the morning one, M o u r n i n g. That is being sad. What he is saying is that as the day approaches, you do not need to mourn in a way in which you have no hope. And therefore, those who mourn as though they were not mourning. You know where I see this happening a lot is at funerals. No one's going to deny that people are not in sorrow. They're suffering and grieving over the loss of a loved one. But often at funerals, there's also a joy and a rejoicing because they know that those who have believed in Jesus Christ, they will be seen again. And in that sense... We mourn as though we are not mourning. Uh, remember there's other passages in the Bible that blessed are those who do mourn because they have a hope. And, and the hope, of course, is that God is going to keep his promises. So we do not mourn as unbelievers mourn. I mean, how many times have you seen on television, either in real or in fiction stories, unbelievers really losing it because they have no joy. They have no hope. They they may say, well, I know that person is looking at me all the time and I have a connection to them, but there's no evidence of that at all. In fact, it contradicts the Bible. When I visited or visit uh, the grave of my son who was killed in a motorcycle accident, I don't talk to him because he's not hearing me. I talk to Jesus. And Jesus may or may not inform Philip of what I am saying, but I know we'll be seeing him again. So yes, we mourn, but we don't mourn as though there is no hope. Now, you can understand that, but what's this bit about, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing? Part of the problem here is the recognition how short life is. And you may be rejoicing one day and the next day, oh boy, things are not going well. So you need to be careful that in your rejoicing, you you don't lose the understanding that God has that there are going to be times where you're not going to be able to rejoice. And those who buy as though they had no goods. I mean, how many times do we really look forward to going to buy something? And you may not be doing it until the evening. I always like getting the advertisements for Office Depot and Best Buy. They come out on Saturday. And then I check because those sales don't really start till Sunday. So last week when I looked in it, there were three things I needed to get. And I'm looking forward to going out either Friday and Saturday and getting them probably wait till Saturday, and I'll tell you why, it is because all three are on sale, but perhaps next week's brochures will have them more on sale. So I kind of always wait till Saturday before I get it, uh, just in case that they're on sale somewhere else or at a better price. That, that's what it means that we buy as though we had no goods because we don't want the goods we own to be the center of our life. It's not that we don't appreciate uh, purchasing things that maybe make the house more beautiful or easier to live in or this kind of thing, but it doesn't become the focus of our attention. And in 31, and those who deal with the world... As though, as though they had no dealings with it. Now, I'm going to speak about politics here. Very few people are not somewhat politically driven. It decides who they vote for because of the issues. Uh, issues, etc. by the way, recently had a program on where they were analyzing so-called prophets from the evangelical world, and they're talking about what 2018 is going to be like for the church. Well, half of them seem to say it's going to be great, but the other half said it's not going to be great. (laughs) Now, with all the persecution going on in the church, and even in the United States where secularism really seems to be taking over, And the church has lost much of its influence. You can pretty well guess, you know, under the present government, perhaps the church will fare better. But things could go wrong. And so when it says that we deal with the world in the area of politics, don't make politics the center of your attention, the focus of your life. You, you can deal with it. You can speak about it. You can take a stand, especially in the area of morality. But if you're not successful and you become totally depressed, then you're not understanding how the appointed time has grown short for you. Now, God may not come back for maybe a million years, or he could come back today today before this program is over. I have no idea. But for sure, the appointed time for each individual is very short. What, 60 years old, 70, 80? We just heard of a singer who died. She was 46 years old. Now, we didn't hear the cause of her death. But there are diseases that people get, heart attacks, this sort of thing, where you die very, very young. You have no idea when you go to sleep at night whether you're going to be waking up in the morning. Now, Paul finally gets to the point why we don't want to have uh, wives or mourning or rejoicing and buying purchasing items or dealing with the world at the center of our attention. Why? Verse 32 explains it. I want you to be free from anxieties. And then he gives an example, which I think helps us to understand that those who have wives live as though they had none. He says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. Now, what's he saying? Well, listen to the next verse. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman, that means she's engaged, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. What is Paul talking about here? Is it inappropriate for the husband wanting to please the wife and vice versa? No. But if it causes an anxiety... Once more, issues, etc., yesterday, I, I think the lady's last name was Baker. It was right before my program where I did the Sunday school lesson. And she was making the point how with the new view of women in the world where they're trying to be like men and trying to be equal to men, they they've really lost their understanding of what it means to be a woman. And the divorce rate is really high. And I can understand that. Because the the one of the main things that divorce occurs over is money. And a lot of divorces don't occur uh, because children, and they don't want to upset the children. But a lot of these marriages are based on an anxiety that things are not working well because they're trying to please the husband or please the wife rather than pleasing God. The the point is really pretty clear. If you are married, then don't focus your whole life on making sure that your spouse is pleased to the point where the Lord is out of the picture. It is a fact that couples who attend church on a regular basis have a much lower rate of divorce than those who either don't or like the nuns of today. Now, when I say nuns, I don't mean N-U-N-S. I mean N-O-N-E-S. People who are kind of fed up with religion as they hear it in churches. And therefore, they may consider themselves still religious, but they don't affiliate with a denomination. And I kind of agree that they should leave most denominations. What? You think somebody should leave the Christian church? Yes, if what is being taught there is contrary to the Word of God. The conversation I had with the atheist recently really got me thinking that unfortunately, not only atheists, but a lot of Christians have a view of God that is contrary to the Scripture, A view of God where God is legalistic and judgmental in the sense, you're going to go to heaven only if you obey my will. And if you sin, you're not going to be going to heaven. That vision of God is not existing anywhere in the Bible. It appears at times that that's how God thinks. And there's just no doubt. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you don't have a ghost of a chance of going to heaven. See, that sounds like, boy, I really need to be righteous. I need to be good. I need to be moral. But but people, the, the harder they try, the worse it gets. And they recognize that. So as a self-defense mechanism, uh, 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 as a way of excusing themselves, they jump to the conclusion that there is no God, and that makes them feel better, because that's how they relieve their anxiety. But then their anxiety comes about by what they're doing in the world, trying to please their spouse all the time, Uh, mourning being in grief and unable to get out of it, looking to the purchase of goods as a way of how their life is to work, and dealing in the area of politics because nothing else is more important. What the Apostle Paul is simply saying is you need to have a balance in your life. And the way to have a proper balance is is in all things that you do is to please the Lord. Verse 35 kind of really summarizes what these things are being talked about for on the part of Paul. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your... Now, what's he going to say? to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. This is so important to recognize that the things of this world are not as important as many of us imagine. If for this world only you have hope, the Bible says you are of all most miserable. Because this is the realm of Satan. Things are going to go wrong. Failures are going to occur. Sufferings are going to come to you. Persecution, if you stand up for Jesus, will take place. But we, therefore, have the faith of the Scriptures to believe what God has said. I know some people argue with me about the Beatles song, that song by one of the beatles about what if you had no goods you know what if there was no religion i really think that all of that is fulfilled in the scripture what well when when you get to heaven you're not going to be interested of how many possessions that you have there's going to be no religion in heaven as to how religion is understood. Remember, the commonsensical religion is that your works make a difference as to whether you're going to be rewarded by God, whether you're going to merit heaven. That is ridiculous. Because the God of the Bible is not a God of justice giving you what you deserve. As we often confess... In the liturgy, we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Why aren't we getting that? Because the attitude of the God of the Bible is one of being merciful. You know what that means? It means he's not going to give you what you deserve. And he's gracious. What does that mean? You're going to get what you don't deserve. The forgiveness of sins the robe of righteousness, and hundreds and hundreds of promises. So when 1 Corinthians 7 talks about, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, this is really what the incarnation of Jesus taught us. Jesus was not focused on any of these items. And why? Because he was focused on doing the will of his Father. And that's why the Father twice said to him, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. All that the Apostle Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 7 is encouraging us to have our focus not on what's happening in the world, but on Jesus Christ. So yes, we mourn at a funeral, but not as those who have no hope. And that's what it means, is those who mourn as though they were not mourning. There is a joy, there's a gladness in knowing that the promises of God in regard to the person who has died will be coming true as they have believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In in verse 31, Paul says, you see, the present form of this world is passing away. Remember, in heaven there's going to be no giving and taking in marriage. There's going to be no possessions that we own. Are there going to be stores where we can go buy things? I have no idea. But I do believe there'll be food and drink in heaven, but it's all going to be free. It's going to be a return to the Garden of Eden prior to the curse of having to work. When someone does have this kind of attitude, when the Lord becomes number one in their life, then you can be free from anxieties. You can have an optimistic view of what is going to happen. Because as a Christian, you'll never be a loser. Now, from the point of view... Of the world, you're going to be a loser. Because things are not going to go right in the lives of Christians. But what we're talking about is attitude. What we're talking about is how does a Christian regard these things? And all Paul is talking about is don't have as the focus of your life, as a central thing in your life, your spouse, your grief, your rejoicing, your possessions, or dealing in politics. Because the present form of this world is passing away. And when you combine the promises of Jesus Christ with whatever is happening in your life, that is a way that you can be free from anxieties. Anxieties that are based on the flesh. So all of this is for your benefit. Paul doesn't want to lay a restraint upon you. That means don't do these things or else you're not going to be saved. He's there, according to verse 35, to promote good order And to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Well, what does that mean, undivided devotion? It means that Jesus becomes the central point of your life in all things. How many times have you rushed to the store to get something on sale? And guess what? They don't have it anymore. And you become anxious and, oh, boy. But then recognize that God is behind that. That God willed that that item would be sold before you got there. And therefore, for you to become anxious because you weren't able to buy it is really a way of saying, God, you failed me. God never fails you. His promises are always sure. And that's the difference in law and gospel. Under the law, you look for evidence that God exists and who he is. Under the gospel, you trust his promises. On tomorrow's law and gospel, Wes Reimnitz has come up with an interesting subject that I think you will find interesting also. It's arguments between atheists the new atheists versus the old atheists, you'll really be surprised what that argument is and what ramifications it has for Christian witness. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Law and Gospel. God bless.
1: Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday at this time on Worldwide KFUO. For a contribution to the program, make your check payable to Law & Gospel and mail it to Pastor Tom Baker, Post Office Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. You can call toll-free at 1-877-267-1962 or email Law & Gospel at lawandgospel101.com.